This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good morning. You are listening to The Morning Run. It's 6 a.m. on Wednesday, the 27th of April. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. In front of me are Tanshan Lee and Philip C. We are here celebrating what Philip likes to call Hump Day, the midweek. I don't call it Hump Day. You don't call it Hump Day? I have another name for it. What is it? Embryo Friday. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Right. We're not going with that. We'll stick with Hump Day. Thanks, Phil. (laughs) So anyways, you're with us today. How's everyone? Midweek. Let's do a midweek temperature check. Doing great. So excited. It's just two and a half more days before the long weekend break. And I think many of my, you know, Muslim friends really excited for them because it's really going back home, Bali Kampong after two years. I think I'm just pumped up for them as well. <laughs> so pumped up. I am equally excited because it's a five days of uh, long weekend straight, which is awesome. I was and just talking about... What's your plan? I was just talking to uh, um, Sarah, our intern, that I feel like Sakinchan today. Sakinchan. <laughs> Very nice. Yes. Paddy feels. Yeah, I was just feeling about it, thinking maybe I should go to Sakinchan or something. I see. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chuti Chuti Malaysia a bit within yeah. the boundaries of Selango. Interesting. Yourself, Shaz? Well, I will be celebrating Hari Raya with family that I haven't seen in two years of course and yep. it's really nice that we have this long five day break I don't think we've seen a public holiday of that length for some time and it just feels like there's a collective sense of um, I suppose festive festivities in the air it does feel very festive I mean you go to the shopping malls now it is jam packed in the evenings uh, as they book a puasa and such and you it, and it, beyond this holiday as well I think in May and June you're going to see quite a lot of days off as well holidays as well so more I things to look forward more to things then. to look forward i hope people get their much needed respite as well but let's not forget that we are still in a pandemic you know so let's not be complacent and do observe uh, any safety measures and precautions uh, when you go out and about uh, in your daily lives but let's talk about what we have lined up this morning i think we have a lot of interesting conversations beginning with 7 15 We know there's high demand for affordable housing in Malaysia, but yet the residential property overhang is increasing year by year. So what accounts for this supply-demand mismatch? We discuss the situation with business commentator Pankaj Sikumar. And I wonder when that bubble will burst. I think it's been... I've I've been hearing about this bubble that hasn't burst for many, many years now. I think it's about five, six years already, or maybe six, seven years. It's been quite long. Indeed. And then at 7.30, we're going to talk about palm oil prices, which I think a lot of us have seen that it has soared over the past year, exacerbated by the outbreak of war in Ukraine. So we will discuss the outlook for the global palm oil market with Elvin Lai of Bloomberg Intelligence. I mean, that was after Indonesia imposed those export curbs. So I think understanding how that, what the repercussions for the global palm oil market is very interesting. And at 7.45, flash floods. I think we experienced that uh, Monday evening. They are a perennial problem in the Klang Valley. But is the situation just getting worse? We discuss what causes flash floods and policy measures to resolve them with Charlie Coe of Urban Metri. We'll have all this and more today on The Morning Run, so stay with us, BFM 89.9. That was Still Corners with Black Lagoon. Still Corners are an American-British pop duo formed in 2007. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Philip C. and Tan Chen Lee. Now, the first story on our agenda today in our morning discussion is about gratitude. Now, how many times has your boss thanked you for your work? 
if you're left grasping to remember when you last heard praise from the higher ups, you're not alone because a survey in the U.S. found that 59% of workers polled said they've never had a boss that truly appreciates them, which to me is quite, it, it, that's that's quite jarring. That's quite, yeah, that's quite, quite a lot. Though, um, and there's been further research by um, the University of Southern California and Cornell University. Um, they wanted to understand why that's the case. Yeah, and I also kind of want to, uh, we're actually looking at an article here on um, Harvard Business Review, which is titled, More Powerful People Express Less Gratitude. And I want to also ask this question to the both of you. Is that your experience? Do you feel that your bosses or higher, uh, more authority, uh, people of higher authority, do they thank you? Uh, my personal experience is that's not been the case. I've been very blessed to have excellent bosses. But there has been a mismatch between what they think is an expression of gratitude versus what I think it is. So perhaps for me, uh, I, I appreciate words of affirmation. I prefer being told, Philip, you're awesome. But for them, <laughs> it's more like, you know, let me run you an errand. Let me spend time with you. Let me pay you better. Mm. That's their sense of showing their appreciation. That is so interesting, Philip, because actually I had never thought about translating love languages into the workplace. But you have a, that's a great point. The fact yeah. is that different people ex experience gratitude and appreciation differently. And so these kinds of actions may not really translate. I, I mean, yeah, in the Asian context, look, we have many Asian bosses. They don't tell you, hey, guy, you're awesome. You're amazing. <laughs> you're paying the bed. You've do done that. a good job. They did a good job. They do, they, but they show their expression of thankfulness in very different ways. But we, in, in a different generation, perhaps look at it differently. Especially the younger generation, yes. the millennials or the Gen Z, they would love to have more affirma affirma affirmation from their bosses and the, maybe even um, the people they work with. Uh, but I also want to wa I kind of wonder, why is it that the high power people, less they don't really want to express gratitude towards people that they work with, uh, especially with their staff or with their subordinates? I think the article had some interesting findings, yeah, mm -hmm. the research that was done. They, it, it, it found that um, people who are higher up, they had a sense of entitlement in some way mm -hmm. because That's they right. felt like they were owed these favours or they were owed these acts yes. of service. So therefore, the gratitude part didn't really come out because, because I guess they weren't grateful for it. They were like, this is what you have to do. Yeah, because uh, I am higher up here. I am entitled and I'm I am the boss. Yes, well, I'm the boss. Probably, I deserve this. They probably <laughs> thought that they worked their way to that. So they felt accountable and responsible for their success. So perhaps they felt they didn't owe anyone else for their success and if they started showing their gratitude then perhaps it reduced the power and accountability of their work and effort so yeah. that could be anchored on insecurity so essentially you're either dealing with a narcissistic boss that's always talking about themselves or someone who's highly insecure yes that's also what I was thinking and um, I also wonder if it's the same uh, because they've experienced the same thing when they were not a boss they've received all these sort of treatment from their ex-bosses and that's why now they're doing it to the people under them I think that's so true I think what is necessary is you have to break that chain because many of us have had bad bosses. We then think and we want to project it to our underlings or the next below. And that is a big challenge. And how do you break that cycle requires you to self-reflect and understand that the boss comes from a different place as well. That's true. I was thinking that, well, bosses have a lot on their plate. I'm sure they're uh, they're preoccupied with so many different things. Sometimes gratitude, I suppose, falls in, in the on the wayside, especially if they're just looking to achieve that next yeah. performance target. But it's important also, I suppose, for all of us just to, re to remind ourselves how much gratitude can make a difference in the workplace. When you show appreciation to someone, no matter how small, it can start that cycle, the virtuous cycle of, I don't know what 
just a virtuous cycle. Yeah, but I also uh, think that, you know, expressing gratitude to people that you work with is not just to make them work harder. It's also a form of respect that you have mm. over this person and their work, which I think a lot of time is lacking. Well, firstly, gratitude shouldn't be linked to a quid pro quo. Exactly. You, 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 you're grateful because someone did something or for you or for the organisation and that's how it should be. There shouldn't be strings attached to it so much, right? I think that's the biggest issue. Then it wouldn't be called gratitude. It wouldn't then, be right? called gratitude. Then it would be selfish. Uh, but I guess there's also the point where CEOs always say it's very lonely at the top. But isn't it self-fulfilling prophecy when you start doing that and you don't think that the success I had was a function of everybody helping me get there? Yes, and for those uh, who's at the top right now, the good news is leaders can learn to express gratitude more often. Refer to the article because it talks about how you can learn to express gratitude it to does, the people you work with. It does have a lot of good uh, examples and good yeah. suggestions on how to, I suppose, incorporate uh, more expressions of gratitude in the workplace. It's definitely well worth a read. This is an article on the Harvard Business Review. In the meantime, tell us what your experience has been. Do you have bosses that uh, thank you and show gratitude? You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio 614 in the morning. We're taking a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing um, ways to combat procrastination. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. That was Josh Stone with Fell in Love with the Boy. You're listening to The Morning Run. It's 619 in the morning. I'm Shazana with Philip and Chen Li. Now, earlier we were discussing the merits of showing gratitude in the workplace, especially by bosses. And we have some WhatsApp messages that come I, in. We do, we do. We have one from Ro where he wrote, or she wrote, Phil would rather his boss say he's awesome over increasing his pay, but I can't see himself paying off my mortgage with awesomeness. Perhaps <laughs> awesomeness can't pay for everything. <laughs> fair point, Ro, fair point. But awesome could make you feel a little bit less bad about not being able to pay that mortgage. When you have to remortgage your home, Ro. <laughs> Tell us what you think. Do you have your? Do you have bosses that praise you in the workplace? Uh, you can WhatsApp us at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine or tweet us at BFM Radio. So we're turning to our next story, and this is go, this is going to be a good one. If you're a, cro a chronic procrastinator, as as am I, um, and you're looking for solutions on. Uh, to this last-minute syndrome. So we have a delightful story this morning. Um, there's a cafe in Japan that is catered towards those that need a little help to get their tasks done in a timely manner. Yes, it's called the Manuscript Writing Cafe. It's unlimited coffee and tea, but what they do is you have to basically write down your name, write your goals and the time you plan to finish it, and you can even have progress checks, where if you just say you want it mild, normal and hard, and of course hard <laughs> means you will feel the silent pressure of the staff standing frequently behind you. Wow. Morbid, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> If that isn't, um, if that isn't, yeah, external pressure to get things done, I'm not sure what is having someone <laughs> literally breathing down your neck literally. to see you this finish a task. This is nagging, chief nagging officer there. <laughs> and I, and I was looking at a picture that they have on the article that has, uh, if you finish your task at uh, during the designation time, they actually have a little stamp to uh, put on your card, yeah. just like in school. You know, when you've done something well, they give you a stamp for your good work. But I would say it's good value, right? The cafe charges 130. Yen, one US dollar for the first 30 minutes, and then 300 yen, $2.34 for every successful successive hour. What a great business model, I think. So it does get um, it does get more expensive, I guess, the longer yeah. you stay, uh, which I suppose is one is also a form of pressure to get you to do your work um, quickly. It is a small cafe. I think uh, this, the seating is fairly limited to 10 people. Um, so it is very niche um, and, uh, you know, quite quite an interesting 
proposition in terms of uh, for a cafe, I guess. And Japan's so full of all these really quirky, curious, weird cafes. I guess this is just one out of many. Indeed. And do you guys work or if you have moments of procrastination, do you tend to go to a place so that you can concentrate and work? Well, when I was in university, the place I go to was the library because you just saw everybody working. So you felt motivated to work, you know. And so now for me, if I need to work and I can't stand it because my mom is nagging me at home to do other things, I actually go to Starbucks. It's my third place. And because everyone there is working, so then you feel compelled to work as well. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Yeah. And I actually, I tend to, I find myself work, I I do work better in, uh, well, unfortunately, it's coffee bean, not Starbucks. Uh, Not unfortunate by anything. Um, It's Moncara, actually. And Mm. I'm there most of the time right now. Uh, The hard thing is actually, of course, to get sometimes a quiet environment to focus. Of course, the headphones will come in handy. And also power plugs, you know, sometimes. Sometimes you just don't have access to those. Uh, but yes, other than that, um, what about you, Shaz? Do you have to do you work at a certain place or do you have a certain routine so that you can get into uh, you know, the mood of working? There's something to be said about having that space where you know you're in the framework to work, right? That's yes. why, Phil, you went to the library in university or you go to a cafe. Um, I find that uh, of sometimes to go to a library is a form of procrastination for me in the sense that I need to get to a place first, so that takes up the bit of time. Um, And I also find as a chronic, as a sadly chronic procrastinator, there's no one solution to it all. It often takes different approaches depending on the circumstance. So it might be one getting that uh, environment right. Another one might be breaking it down into smaller chunks. It might be setting a time limit, for example, to get myself going. Um, Yeah. I wonder if if it's for you, it's a Deadline. deadline is the ultimate procrastinator killer because to say, you just see the deadline like, okay, I really have to get my act together and hit towards and meet that deadline. I think, I think de- that's the ultimate one, right? The yes. closer the deadline is, the more motivated <laughs> I am to reach yeah. it, as many can attest to. Um, but yes, uh, what other ways of procrastination have you heard that come in handy? Actually, I think that sometimes when you have you procrastinated and you're too near to the deadline and you're feeling stressed, I tend to... Uh, listen to music actually because it calms you down yeah. a little bit yeah. and then you can start to focus and and do it uh, do your work or whatever the deadline is a bit more efficiently are you more um, motivated by reward or penalties which is the which mm. is the bigger motivation unfortunately I'm marked by fear okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm marked by fear of failure and also like the incapacity to manage the problem so I like your idea of breaking the problem down smaller because a lot of the procrastination is also a function of oh I don't think I know how to do it so I'm just not going to do it mm. until I, I have really got to put my hand in the fire and then have to deal with it right mm. so for me it is fear unfortunately not this whole hope and joy thing <laughs> so the idea is to make the mountain seem less intimidating don't focus on scaling the to the peak of the mountain but maybe look at just taking that very first step up that mountain path to get to where you're going you know but tell us do you have any useful tips to combat procrastination how do you um, manage to finish your job within the deadline you can whatsapp us 018 or tweet us at BFM Radio. It's 6.25 in the morning. We're heading into the 6.30 a.m. News Bulletin. We'll come back after that with a look at global headlines. Taking you to the news is The Kinks with Shangri-La. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. That was Tame Impala reminding us all to breathe deeper on this Wednesday, 27th of April, 6.41 a.m. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Tan Chen Lee and Philip C. Now it's that time of morning where we take a 
look at what's making headlines around the world. What's caught your eye this morning? Well, what caught my eye was the Bloomberg article in which US and allies are lobbying Indonesia to get Ukraine to the G20 summit alongside Putin. So just a bit of context behind this G20 summit in which Indonesia is chairing uh, and hosting. Initially, I think many of the Western allies were pushing for Putin not to be invited for the G20 summit, but Indonesia held firm and said no. Uh, it wants to remain impartial and maintain its stance that it has to invite. So many had boy planned to boycott and not attend some of these meetings, but I think they've all fallen to death. Yes. So in return now, they're putting pressure to get Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to join the G20 summit. Imagine, that, imagine them sitting next to each other. <laughs> that is so interesting that it they is. changed tactic. They changed tactic midway through. So initially it was excluding Russia. Mm -hmm. Now they've changed and said, no, let us now include Ukraine into the G20 discussions. And the G20 summit will take place uh, later this year in November. So there are a couple of months to wrangle through all these details. Whether we'll see um, President Volodymyr Zelensky and President Vladimir Putin at the same venue, uh, that's an open question. But uh, the article also pointed out that this would end up being like a logistical and diplomatically protocol-wise be. nightmare because as you said you can't really put them next to each <laughs> exactly. other. Exactly. How are you going to make sure that you know delegations don't pass each other along the hallways? Um, I can imagine Indonesia having many, many headaches uh, in the weeks leading up to this event. I mean even leading before this conflict, Indonesia will have a huge problem managing the global economy because that has been center stage of G20, isn't it? And you're seeing the Russian-Ukraine conflict spill over to Eastern Europe economies. Don't we see that, Chen Li? That's right. So Eastern Europe is also uh, something that, I, that caught my eye this morning because Hungarian central banks said that they're going to raise their benchmark rate by a full percentage point for a second consecutive month to 5.4% uh, on Tuesday, which is yesterday. Uh, so, and this is interesting because um, I think they have a very very high inflation rate, about 9.1% in March. And and why is that happening? It's because they spend a lot of money uh, on pre-election spending, which is interesting because if you talk about the pre-election, we have Prime Minister Viktor Orban, who's also a good friend with Vladimir Putin. Well, global debt is a significant problem here and every country is taking different approaches to deal with it. What we see in Sri Lanka in managing the crisis is they're offering golden visas, right? Foreigners just need to deposit a minimum 100000 and they will be granted permission to live and work in Sri Lanka for 10 years. Interesting. Sri Lanka trying to, I suppose, gain some economic foothold. They're facing a terrible crisis at the moment as well. I'm not sure whether now is the time to be attracting foreign residents. But I think it's more to get the cash. Exactly. <laughs> whether cash. residents, foreign residents will be enticed to come to a country that's currently undergoing its worst economic crisis in yeah. decades. Uh, that's another open question. Um, but sticking back, coming back to, I suppose, the Ukraine war, war front. Um, in a related story, Russia is set to halt the flow of gas to Poland and Bulgaria beginning today. And this is according to authorities in the EU nations, Poland and Bulgaria. Um, so it seems to point towards a trend of weaponizing energy supplies over the invasion of Ukraine. You actually spoke to the uh, Polish ambassador to Malaysia yesterday on the Breakfast Grill, Phil. Please check that out. Uh, the conversation out on the BFM podcast. Um, so this seem, this is another pretty major development, I think, if they yeah, do end up cutting off gas supplies. That's right. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think Poland has been very clear about its position. It had taken a very muscular stand against Russia. And what you saw actually over the past 24 hours also is that Western allies have been uh, gathering forces together in, in Europe. Uh, and what we saw with uh, Lloyd Austin there, that Germany will be delivering tanks to Ukraine, which is pretty unprecedented because Germany has usually been relatively 
neutral compared to many of the Western allies. Indeed, Lloyd Austin being the US Secretary of Defense. And in fact, we did speak about how the war in Ukraine is affecting Germany's economy just a few days ago. We spoke to Frederick Kleem of S. Rajaratnam School of International Studies. Check out that podcast for more details on how Germany's economy is being impacted. It's 6.45 in the morning, but maybe we have time for a quick headline. Yeah, let's, let's move our focus to China because China is going to step up their infrastructure construction uh, as announced by President Xi Jinping yesterday. Um, I think they just want to bolster the economy as it was hampered by uh, or hammered by the widening spread of COVID. I mean, I'm worried about the recent lockdowns in Beijing, mm. right? We've seen basically nearly every city now in China uh, in a lockdown stage. Beijing is that the last city? That's the big question mark. That's right. 6.46 in the morning. We're taking a quick break and when we come back, we'll see what's making headlines in our local newspapers and portals. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. That was Franz Ferdinand with Do You Want To? You're listening to The Morning Run with Shazana, Philip and Chen Li. Do I want to what? It could fill in the blanks, I think. <laughs> it's like a mad lib. Do you want to fill in the blanks? 6.50 in the morning on Wednesday, the 27th of April. We are flipping through the newspapers and clicking through the portals to see uh, the top stories of the morning. So who would like to start? I'll start. And what I don't want to do is talk about leaks. But unfortunately, we have to because all the politicians named in the so-called past leaks, a purported leaked minute meeting minutes to reveal a plot to topple key AMNO leaders will be called up for investigation according to KL Police Chief Datuk Asmi Abu Qasim. All right. So there's some... Uh, now the police are getting involved in this story. I mean, this came out... Um I think it was sometime last week, there were supposedly meetings between past leaders and yes. other political parties um, regarding a plot to, I suppose, depose, dis dispose of some UMNO leaders. Uh, some past members have come up, well, actually one, and that is the um, chief minister of uh, Trunganu. He's come out to deny these allegations. Um, but yes, I think there's still a lot of questions as to what exactly do these minutes entail and uh, what the real situation is. I mean, this follows the report launched by UMNO President of the Sri Ahmad Zaid Hamidi uh, of course, alleging that there were minutes where these two past leaders did visit several politicians from AMNO, Bersatu and Pejuang to basically overthrow uh, uh, Zahid Hamidi. I mean, I think just to give us some context as well, there's also allegations against the Chief Justice who apparently was uh, alleged to have conspired to hasten the graft trials to convict Zahid and ex-Prime Minister Dadusri Najib Razak. So I wonder if all these different components are all intertwined together as well. That's a very serious allegation. And the judiciary has been under the spotlight over the past week over other investigations um, by the MACC into um, to the judge who uh, who uh, convicted so I think all this um, tends to not paint a very good picture of, of our institutional systems at the mm. moment. And it could even uh, divide AMNO. I think you're seeing also those fissures taking place in AMNO as well. Political machinations at the elite level continue. But meanwhile, what else is happening on our local front? Uh, I'm looking at the uh, CEO morning brief uh, from The Edge. Um, so apparently government is still looking at targeted fuel subsidies, uh, which, you know, I think a lot of us are also very concerned because, you know, the government has been paying a lot of subsidy in terms of the uh, fuel prices, especially for Ron 95 and also diesel. And so they've been looking at the, the, the targeted segment or targeted subsidy, uh, but 
it's a little bit slow in my opinion. I mean, it's already, the fuel prices has been going, I mean, it has been raging for so long already, but we haven't really come up with a solution to this. Well, I think this is the issue, right? Uh, in the budget last year, the estimate was about $5 billion worth of subsidies. Now, the estimate is around $30 billion. It's a six-fold increase. I think that is exactly. the biggest challenge and how will they manage these subsidies? And hence this conversation about being targeted. But even, I think when we say B42, B40, I think it's, to be fair, it's also M40 and even some parts of T20 below are also struggling. So how do you reconcile that? That's a big challenge. And we know even rising prices, although Malaysia is a beneficiary, it's still a net loser in the process. Especially if these uh, discussions on subsidies are expected to see an enlargement of them. And we speak about this all the time. There is recognition that the subsidy mechanism can't go on forever. But when we're going to pull the plug, when we're going to wean mm. ourselves off this, it just yes. seems to be something that's being kicked down the road further and further and further. Nobody really wants to put that plan in place. Exactly. It is political suicide, I suppose. And we are expecting GE15 sometime very soon. So whether we'll see any resolution to this or any progress is an open question. Well, I think one resolution we're looking forward to is we expect today to hear from the government over the relaxation of SOPs. We've heard over the weekend that they are talks to relax. We had this conversation about the application of MySajatra, SOPs of how we, we gather in spaces, as well as also wearing masks. Mm. So hearing what the government's uh, revised SOPs are, uh, very much is uh, looking forward to that. I think there's going to be a lot of anticipation for, I suppose the announcement will come from the health minister or perhaps even the prime minister. I think it's something that we're still waiting to see yes. when that announcement comes out. All right, we have some time to squeeze in a couple more headlines. What else has caught your eye? Uh, the front page Malaysian Reserve, the great resignation is happening. In case you didn't know, uh, the percentage of respondents that have switched employers has increased seven points from 29% in March 2021 to 36%. So the great resignation is real. It is real and it's happening here, it appears. Yes. And so according to uh, the survey done by Randstad, 51% said that they value career growth opportunities followed by opportunities to gain more long-term development. I wonder if that's a pick coy to just say just one more pay. It could be. It could be. It could, it, can I suggest to CEOs to maybe also show more gratitude, make your employees feel more appreciated before they set, before they tender that resignation? Uh, but yes, I suppose this is a trend that is set to continue as as things unfold. Yes, and uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about our domestic travel and also, of course, our demand recovery. Uh, sorry, my travel recovery in terms of Southeast Asia. So it seems a bit of a good news here because domestic travel demand in Southeast Asia has reached 100 percent growth in March as compared. To to the same level in 2019. Uh, however, in terms of international demand, uh, Philippines and Indonesia seems to be doing faster. They're rebounding faster. But Malaysia and Singapore, Thailand and Vietnam are making moderate recovery. Uh, so tr inbound travel into Malaysia uh, from March 27 to April 2nd grew about 83% compared to the same period in 2019, while outbound travel increased substantially by 90% during the same period. So it looks like a lot of good news in terms of the travel industry. Yeah, and this, uh, this report actually came from Google, I think, where they're basically right. analysing the intent and searches of people. I think from that report, also very interesting, staycations in Malaysia surged 409% compared to 2019. Wow. Everybody's looking for that little getaway. Uh, a sign of good times ahead, we hope it's 6.57 in the morning. We're heading into the 7 a.m. news bulletin. And after that, we're going to take a look at how global markets closed overnight. Taking you to the news is the specials with Rat Race, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.